Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and today with me is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Excellent. Welcome back to Postscript. Uh, we are in a new series. We're done with Thessalonians, although I hope you're still revisiting it and uh, yeah, soaking in some of the goodness there. But we are we're getting close to Easter, as you may know. The spring is imminent and the flowers are coming out of the ground uh, and we thought we'd spend a little bit of time with Jesus, which makes sense. Um, and we, we thought we would kind of dig into some of these key moments in Jesus's life and what do they tell us about what it is to follow Jesus right. and what he was doing. Uh, so this week you talked about the temptation of Jesus. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and this is a passage that I feel like a lot of people have heard preached or a lot of people have heard about it's this crazy story about Jesus and the devil coming alongside of him being like, Hey, what if you jump off this building and you know, mm -hmm. crazy things like that. Um, why are we here? Why, why, why this passage? Right. So uh, we wanted to um, begin with a, so we're talking about these key moments in Jesus' life that were, um, that that form the bigger picture of God's story and what he's doing and how it's unfolding and who Jesus is and the kind of king he is and the kind of kingdom he's creating. So all mm. of those things are kind of part of this. And I think that's really what's, you know, in the beginning as Jesus goes through his baptism, which is the very first thing that happens in his, you know, his public ministry, he sees John the Baptist, he goes through baptism, and there's this really cool moment, you know, where you see the triune God all together at once, Jesus in the water, the spirit descending as a dove, and the voice of God, the Father yeah. from heaven. And so you have all three of, uh, you know, these pieces, God um, in three uh, there. And so, um, and, in, and right after that, it says, you know, filled with the spirit, he is led into, he's led by the spirit into this wilderness in this time of testing. And it seems to me that this this testing should be connected directly to the the moment of his baptism, because what happens in his baptism is you hear the voice of God saying, this is my son. And the very first words we hear that yeah. Jesus hears in the in the wilderness is if you are the son of God, then and then on and mm. on it goes. Yeah. And so I think this question of identity was one of the things that we were trying to get at. Uh, what kind of person is Jesus? What kind of kingdom is he does he represent? Those are the things that um, that I think are important for us to capture the nuance in because it allows us to live um, and prepare in a completely different way as we get closer to Easter. And so that's kind of where we were heading with this. Yeah, I love that. Now, again, this is a passage I think a lot of people have heard. Um, and right. I think I've I've heard preached as this is, you know, we, we model Jesus's example of how to say no to temptation. So right. next time someone comes and says, hey, if you cheat on this thing, I'll give you a free car. We can answer like Jesus did, right? But yeah. but that's not quite where you went with this, right? Like you yeah. you took uh, I what I found a really helpful and compelling view of this passage that it's more about um, more about how we think about things and it's not in these big decision moments, but it's uh, how we view God. Can you can you walk me through this again? Yeah. A little bit? Well, I, I would say it's how we believe, how we view God and also how we view evil, because, mm. you know, if, if we, if we may, if we reduce temptation to, okay, these are the, you know, I am, I don't want to be tempted to do this bad thing. Um, yep. Then it reduces evil to kind of stupid human choices, <laughs> and and evil is actually more than just stupid human choices. It includes right. stupid human choices, but it also is a spiritual reality beyond everything that is going on at work to destroy us. And this hmm. is where we have this idea of a spiritual battle, something that we don't talk to talk about enough. And I think this is something that 
that is really important for us to understand that there is a battle raging with this idea of evil forces behind the things that we do that want to destroy us. And then there is there is the kingdom of God, which is this the light that kind of breaks into this darkness. And the the evil, I, it can't be reduced to something that is completely outside of us. It's not just, um, you know, the spiritual reality behind things that are are kind of trying to pull us down. But it mm-hmm. includes that. But it also includes our, our our choices that we make. And so those two things, I think, need to be held in balance. And what I tried to do on on Sunday was talk about this idea of the spiritual uh, reality that's behind things. And they they manifest themselves sometimes in voices in our head that are telling us things that are taking us down a wrong path. Generally speaking, what we're being told is you can't trust God. And guess what? It goes right back to the Garden of Eden. The very first temptation of Adam had these questions, right? The serpent said to him, you know, like, did God really say, or the question, um, you know, if, you know, like if, uh, is God, does God have your best in mind? He actually has this other way, but he's just keeping it from you. And, yeah. and so those are the kinds of questions. They are foundational because they started right from the very beginning. The same kind of questions kind of come into our minds, um, you know, today. And, and what's nice to see is that Jesus also faced those same kind of questions. And it really mm-hmm. comes down to this idea of like, you know, um, it comes down to this idea. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a son or a daughter of the king, then, you know, then why not this? Or what about this? Or why does this happen? Or why does that? Mm-hmm. And that's the temptation. So when we sit there and we we pray this prayer, God, deliver us not into temptation, but, or sorry, yeah, but deliver us from evil. Yep. It, this uh, For that is the kingdom. This, this is part of the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from temptation. And in our minds, we're often thinking, deliver me from not doing bad things. Keep me from yeah. swearing or getting drunk yeah. or do, you know, looking at pornography or whatever it is. But the, what I think we should be thinking every time we hear that word, lead me not into temptation, it has to also include the temptation to listen to those voices that drag us down and crush mm-hmm. us and just pull us away and cause us to distrust um, because that I think is the key. So, and I, as you're saying this, and as I've been wrestling through this since Sunday with the sermon, my question to myself, we, we live in a world where, and even in our church, we're, we're good at saying we trust God. Um, yeah. but when was the last time I found myself or you found yourself in a situation where you were a hundred percent trusting God and didn't have a backup plan? Right, like I, I yeah. feel like our trust in God is often revealed by our backup plans, and like, I mean, the hmm. easiest, the go-to for me is generosity and money. Right, we give money away when we've got lots of it, when we have extra, when we can afford to, when it fits our convenience, when we know we can pay our mortgage, when we. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? Right. Um, but is the temptation to always have a backup plan? To always be like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll trust God if I have to. But I mean, God's not going to pull through most of the time, so I'm just going to do it myself. Right. Um, and I feel like that that is the, like, that is Western Christianity, right? We've we've got it figured out, and like, we'll add God on top of our retirement savings. We'll add God on top of these other things and these other leadership principles we've figured out for how to manage people or do things or parent well. Um, but when was the last time you, like, absolutely needed to trust God. And if you can look back and you don't have any stories of God showing up in powerful ways, 
it's not that God's not there. It's not that God doesn't want to show up. It's that you've taken care of everything, right? right. And I would say, you're probably not trusting him. Yeah. Um, which uh, I'm not saying that to you as much as I'm saying it to myself, no, I, right? Like, yeah. I and, and that is just a perfect way of saying it. Thank you for sharing it the way that you did. Because I think that's, that is really at, at the essence here is, is that is that you know this 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 showdown that happened with Jesus is really about finding out whether Jesus was going to be tempted to you know fix the situation himself uh you know uh take his own path figure out a different way to do it or the third thing was was you know this idea of um um uh, you know how was he going was he possibly going to twist god's words to try to get him to do something you know for for you know god to do something for him the father yeah. to do something for him rather than the other way around and and i think and i think that's exactly what you're getting at is this trust becomes like the the bottom line kind of most important thing for us to remember as we think about temptation because mm-hmm. because and i think this is important too what comes out of that temptation what comes out of that time of testing is actually a an empowerment, right? And so we talked yeah. about this idea about the Holy Spirit, and and I find it really interesting to trace this through. And I, I got to tell you the story. So yep. when it comes to this this idea, um, I came to this passage, and I remember it immediately because I have some things scribbled in my Bible that I had an experience in Arrow. Um, Mark Buchanan, he's an author, um, was one of our um, speakers, and so he came out. We were on this beautiful, you know, island in in around Vancouver, around between the mainland and the island, and or yeah, and and. So so we were there and and listening to this, I remember this being the most impactful thing, you know, from my early experience with Arrow. This was the very first class, first speaker mm-hmm. that we had. And I remember just being completely overwhelmed by this story as he shared about, you know, the just the little detail that we see in the passage that it begins with him being filled with the spirit after his baptism. Then he's led by the spirit. And then at the end, he actually leaves in the power of the spirit. And I remember hearing this and I thought to myself, man, this was so important and so impactful. And so when I got to this passage to study this week, I said, I got to go back and find my notes. So I dug up and I went into the binders and I found the notes. I found the the the, the presentation by Mark Buchanan. I opened the page and I found the spot where he said the thing that was so powerful to me. And guess what? It was like a tiny bit of a sentence. It was like a sub point to a point. Like it wasn't, I thought this was like his whole message. It was, and yet yeah, it yeah. was such a tiny thing. But this is what happens when God gets a hold of us and grabs us in a way and, and kind of reminds us of something. He he uses these things to kind of blow them up in our life and make us see something big, which is important. And in this case, I think this is really important. I think what this tells us is that you can receive the Holy Spirit, but not be living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that is, is something that is worth exploring because, yes. because, you know, we believe that the Holy Spirit comes on us at regeneration when, when we give ourselves to Jesus, when we ask him to be the Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit is in us. That is, uh, I, um, you know, something that we um, can, we know is true and which is great. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that, that we need to be living in the power of the Spirit. And so how do we get yeah. there? The simple thing is to be led by him and allow him to kind of take us through some things. That's where we find power. Yeah. And I, like, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about this and the Spirit, because I think the Spirit is w- one of these areas where uh, it's kind of most obvious that churches differ, if yeah. I can say that, right? There are churches that are very like into the Spirit and baptism of the Spirit and like what from the outside can look like really kind of wild practices and really emotive things. And then there are churches that 
you know, the spirit is there. The spirit is part of the Trinity. That is good. But like, let's make sure that we've got control of everything. Kind of, I'm, I'm trying to make both seem equally bad, um, yeah. <laughs> where there's actually huge merits in both. Right. And you just said, you know, we, we believe, and we know that it's true that the spirit is thing. And, and that would be our tradition is that we're, uh, we're big on knowing the Bible and understanding it and having good doctrine and kind of piecing it together. Well, I think that's a huge strength of our tradition. But but maybe we struggle a little more with this living in the spirit. So can you? How do we make that transition from head to heart? From from like having the spirit and like like activating it. I heard so my wife was in the digital hub on Sunday and someone talked about it being like a car. So you need to go somewhere. You own a car. You know you can use the car, but like, do you actually use it or do you just right. like start walking? Right. Um, and, and I'm I'm sure I'm butchering that because no, it's that's coming a good. That's, hand, that's kind of a neat analogy. Yeah. Um, so talk to me, how, Paul, how do we get better at living in the power of the spirit as opposed to just knowing that we have the spirit? Well, I think as, as with anything, it takes practice. Um, and, and it takes, uh, like, I mean, it, I guess in some ways it it takes technique and, and some of those different things that you would, if you were developing any skill. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I think that that's part of the, the way that we deal with this. I think that, that. Um, that what happened with Jesus is that he, um, you know, takes the spirit with him. He, he's mm-hmm. filled with the spirit as he goes into this desert experience, this wilderness experience. And in that experience, he has these questions that come to him that are, um, that are the same kind of questions that we talk about, these things that were attacking him and attacking his mind. And mm-hmm. he was able to to trust God through those, and you can actually see as he goes through that by the time he gets to the other side, there's this there's this power in the spirit that's now there. And I would say because of the trials and because of the difficulty that he's gone through. So you asked the mm-hmm. question earlier. You know, when was the last time that you trusted God and didn't have a backup plan? That's a good way to practice living in the spirit, right? Because mm-hmm. it allows us to kind of step away from our own kind of way of trying to control things and saying, okay, so what? You know what's next here um i think so so that would be the first thing is practice the second thing i think would be prayer we need to spend more time asking god for things rather than like you know oftentimes we go to god and our prayers are like okay i've got a list of here the people that i'm praying for here are the names of the people here's my family here's my you know whatever it is but i think sometimes when we go there's questions that we should be asking god like um you know where do you want me to go next like what is going on in my life right now what are the things that you're trying to show me what what did in that in that encounter that i had with this person what is it that you want to grab at my heart why is it that when he said that one thing it made me upset why was i upset by that what's going on Mm. in my heart what are you trying to get across to me those are some of the ways that we can use prayer to um to actually grow and develop our relationship with the spirit so that we can live in the power of the spirit um but yeah. yeah i i um occasionally go for walks with a friend of mine who's not part of our church, but a follower of Jesus and and just a wonderful guy. And he was telling me he's had a couple times lately where he's been praying and, and he actually, he's taken to asking God directly questions like, mm-hmm. God, it feels like with this situation, there's, there's things happening. It feels like you're calling me to say, no, give me a clear no. And he, he's had the sense in a couple things lately that God is saying yes, instead of no. And he's like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But even that, right, this like, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of the backup plan thing. It's it's not just using your head. 
um, which is scary for us, right? Like it's, it's, and I don't want to say it's trusting your God or, you know, but, but there's something to it of that. There's something, um, I think we need to be in community to do this well. I think, um, it, it, yeah, it can really help to have people to bounce stuff off of, but I think being open to not, not always choosing the, like, the most sensible, the most logical thing is. Well, yeah, um, I mean, and, and so yeah. let me let me take it back to the passage because let's go back to yeah. Jesus because I think Jesus always a good idea. is always a good idea and Jesus is the answer. Um, so if we think about the passage and the way that Jesus responded to each of the temptations, I think is a really good practice for us. So the first question, when he says, man does not live by bread alone, what he's saying is that there's more to life than just survival. So when we get to a place where we're tempted to think, what is going on here? I'm going to like lose this or I'm losing this or I'm not going to be able to get this. I can't pay the bills. How can I get to this place? How can I get to that place? That's an opportunity for you to trust and say, okay, deep breath. God, I recognize that I don't survival is not the end game here. Like in the sense that mm. like, I don't need all of these little things. God can provide in some pretty cool ways. Guess what he did for the, for the Israelites in the wilderness. He provided them bread from heaven. Like, yeah. And so there's this, this opportunity for us to remember that even in when we're in those difficult places, we can trust that there's something bigger going on, right? You know, mm-hmm. the second thing he said is, is, you know, he said, worship the one true God only worship, you know, like, and serve him only. And, 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 you know, sometimes we can get to this place where we're like, okay, there's multiple options here. I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this. And we start saying, well, maybe I can do things on it, you know, in a different way. And I know Jesus wants me to do this, but maybe I could go down this road. And so that kind of brings us back to this place of trusting the spirit, right? So, Mm. you know, in all of these cases, what Jesus was doing was bringing back this idea of trust and putting himself in a proper place before God. But, you know, living in the spirit, we, we have to remember that there is a, that there is the spiritual battle that's going on. And that's, I think, you know, where we started this conversation as well. Like we have to understand the battle is happening so that we can, um, you know, learn to live in the spirit, in the power of the spirit in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we, like, how do we approach this battle? How do we like, I mean, you know, we, we talked earlier about the fact that this is, it's an easy passage to approach and to say, well, you know, God, you help me to say no to pornography or, yeah. or lying or cheating or whatever. Um, obviously that's, that's a part of it. Um, how do we, how do we keep aware of the spiritual battle in our day to day? How do you, like, is it just kind of reminding ourselves? Is it yeah, uh, name it. finding times to pray, naming it, okay. name it, call it out, recognize it for what it is, you know, like, and, and here's where I think there's a difference between my personal um, time with God and my time in community. Um, hmm. I don't believe that there that it's it's helpful necessarily for us to always assume that there is something uh, larger at work. It's that idea about um, we need to not underthink the the spiritual reality around us or overthink right. the spiritual reality around us. And so what what matters, though, is that we're naming things and identifying Mm. them. So especially if I'm sitting on my own and there's something that's going on, you know, like recognize it for what it is in terms of that, you know, the 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 it's you know, it's it's a thought that's coming from somewhere else. Like these are that that's where I think we can recognize it, name it, and then we can deal with those kinds of things. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why we like publicly uh, in our church service, which I, again, I think being part of the church community, engaging in church regularly is a huge part of this, but we don't often say like this thing that's happening in the world, it's clearly God's punishment or Satan's at work in this. Cause there's, there's a lot of nuance, but it's, it is easier to do in our own lives. It's easier to be led by the spirit uh, in that. And, and even in smaller communities where we can, yeah, 
where we can check out. I mean, Brad, if you haven't heard Brad's story of how um, he discerned his way from being an engineer to being in church ministry, he's kind of got that that kind of thing. There, there were a bunch of things that kind of led him in that process. Um, yeah. So ask him about that story sometime. Yeah. Well, Paul, we're we're at the uh, the twenty minute mark. Uh, yeah. Any any closing thoughts for us? We can well, keep going on this, but yeah. And I, I just want you know, and and maybe this will take more than just thirty seconds. But I, I yeah. did. Wow, that's fine. I did want to say that you know one of the things that we talked a lot about in this message was really about the thoughts that come into our minds and the way that mm-hmm. those can attack us. And I know that you know we've been talking about a couple of different things here that are really important. But I do want to get back to that place that if you feel like you are in a place where where those voices are um, are loud and they are um, inquenchable in the sense that you just can't let it go, you know, whether you're you're finding it really difficult to trust God because there's something that's going on in your life that, you know, is just pushing on you and making things so difficult. And these lies that we've been talking about not buying into you know, perhaps they're crushing you. And if they Mm -hmm. are, if you're in a place where your circumstances are undermining your identity, um, if you're in a place where you're being tempted to to go down the road of shortcuts, um, you know, to success in God's kingdom, you know, if you're getting kind of into this place where you're reading parts of scripture and you're saying, wait, God, does that mean that you're saying this? Does that mean that, you know, this Mm -hmm. and all of these things are kind of eating away at you? I would just say you need to go and have a conversation with someone. Um, you need to share that with with people. I had a conversation um, after the service uh, with with one of my colleagues actually, who who shared that you know one of the things we do need to talk about is make sure that people know that that there are steps to take when you're in those places. And we recognize that when you're alone um, in your thoughts for a long time, sometimes those things can just circle and circle and circle until they're yeah. very very heavy and weighty. And I don't want anyone to be living with those thoughts without having an opportunity to share them with someone. And so, you know, please take steps to connect with someone, even at the church, maybe even one of your friends, but certainly the pastoral staff, we'd love to, um, you know, communicate with you and help you through um, those feelings. Yeah. And that's been, I mean, that's such a good place to end. It's been a really tough season for that, right? We have felt the inability to connect and we know uh, many of you listening will know that, you know, our lives as pastors are busy and we've got a lot on our plates, but we, we would actually love the opportunity to connect with you and to be able to walk with you through things um, and to help you get connected in a community, even though we're still social distancing and, you know, we might need to be on Zoom. Um, yeah, that we, we can do it and look forward to the day when we can all connect face to face. Well, Paul, thank you for uh, taking the time to unpack this uh, temptation of Jesus. Um, really, really appreciate it. Really looking forward to uh, next week as we continue to journey towards Easter. And thank you for listening along to Postscript. We are glad to have you here. Glad for any of your questions as they come in. And we will talk to you next week with more Postscript.